one of the things which I think is not sufficiently appreciated is the idea that we can't have it all. And at the risk of labouring the point, I think the reason why we don't appreciate that we can't have it all is that we do operate with the kind of notion of perfection that I was trying to discredit in episode two of this series seven. If we believe that there is something called perfection, then we'll be tempted to believe that if we were only cleverer, uh, less corrupt, less dishonest, less, frankly, stupid, we might manage to engineer a world in which that perfection was realised. And in such a world, all human desires, uh, all human problems would be removed and we would live in some sort of paradise. And in episode two, I basically tried to debunk this notion, but I didn't do it from the point of view that originally inspired it. At the beginning of episode one of this series seven, I made the point that Sir Isaiah Berlin, when he was writing about liberty, in an almost throwaway remark, observes that he doesn't believe that all human desires and goods and values are compatible. And this will strike many people as implausible, and there are all kinds of reasons why it does. But in this episode, I'd like to say something about why I think we are persuaded of it, which is, excuse the dog... Um, which is that we operate with a single notion of what you might call the rational world. We imagine, uh, to put it in very simple terms, that there is only one kind of rationality, that if everybody adopted it, everybody would agree, and on that basis all human problems would be solved. And this is not only false, but demonstrably false. Why? Well, because we need to ask ourselves what the basis for our rationality is. Now, for the philosophers among you, I should say this isn't the same thing as rationalism. Rationalism is the belief that the principles that govern the world are self-evident, fixed for all eternity, and that once we know them, all we need to do, as you might say, is turn the logical, rational handle and we'll end up with all truth. But rationalism is a position that is unintelligible, at least I think so. Maybe I'll come back to that another day, but it's a bit technical. But rationality needs to be based upon some assumptions. And they are assumptions, and they are assumptions that people don't necessarily share. And so what we find is that people choose the kind of rationality that they are going to adopt. Some people, and I love using this example because it's both absurd and also historically true, some people will invent arguments to justify anything. And you can hear politicians doing it on an almost daily basis. 
But I remember as a relatively young person, a, a teenager, I think, a Jehovah's Witness came to the door of the house and tried to tell us what the state of the world was on the basis of a reference to Noah's Ark. Um, and when we said, well, how do you account for things like carbon dating? Because the Jehovah's Witnesses believe that the world was created by God about 4000 BC on the basis of Bishop Usher's uh, extremely dubious dating. And the answer to the question, what about carbon dating, was the carbon dating doesn't work because it, all the carbon got wet in Noah's flood. And this is so mind-boggling in its absurdity, but it does persuade you that if people choose, they can rationalise anything. And you've only got to look at American politics, kinds of arguments that Trump uses. He was actually on the television last night saying, if I win, it's because I'm right, and if I lose, it's because someone else is wrong. Didn't quite say that, but it's what it boiled down to. And having not done very well in the midterm elections, he's now apparently trying to blame his wife for recommending the candidates that he endorsed. And so it goes on. In other words, we can rationalise our positions by adopting more or less as new assumptions, new axioms, if you like that language, something that justifies them. And therefore, our rationality is governed by what we want it to demonstrate, not the other way around. And just to make the point, if I find myself involved in a logical argument and I can't see any flaws in the logical argument, but it leads to a conclusion that I find either false or abhorrent or whatever it might be, what will I do? Well, I can't change the argument because there aren't any mistakes in it. So in order to avoid the conclusion, I will change the assumptions. And there's a name for this. In, it's got a Latin tag called modus tollendo tollens. Don't worry about it. Uh, and, and basically it means if you don't like the conclusion, change the assumptions, assuming you haven't made any mistakes in logic. Now, what's all this got to do with perfection? Let's have a break and we'll come back to that. There are then two things that we need to take into consideration. The first is obviously what things do we use as our assumptions? And the second thing is why do we use them? And it won't surprise you to know that this once again goes back to the great Scottish 18th century philosopher David Hume. David Hume famously said, controversially said, in a, in, in a phrase that has caused a great deal of upset for the centuries since in the treatise of human nature, reason is and ought always to be the slave of the passions. Reason is and ought always to be the slave of the passions. And that's such a striking thing to say 
to a supposedly rational being, most people would say that our passions should be subservient to our reason. And Hume says this can't be true. And what he means is that the kinds of things that we choose on the basis of which to be rational are governed by the kinds of people we are. Let me repeat that. The kinds of things we choose on the basis of which to be rational are governed by the kinds of people we are. And what that means is that if you meet someone from whom you are diametrically opposed in your values, your opinions, your notions of good and bad, your notions of the desirable and the undesirable, there's probably no point in engaging in a rational argument with them because they will have chosen the assumptions of their rationality to match the kind of person they are. So you can see this working its way through in all sorts of things. I used the example just now, the first section of this, of Donald Trump saying, if I win, it's because I'm good. And if I lose, it's because somebody else has made a mistake. And then looking around for people to blame when things don't work the way he wants. Well, you can say that's just an example of someone who's a bit flaky intellectually. But that's also an example of what we tend to do in order to protect our own notion of rationality. We tend to say, if you don't agree with my argument, which I regard as totally rational, then there must be something wrong with you. You're either mad, or you're bad, or you're sad. The notion that you might just, as you might say, have chosen different things because you're a different kind of person, whether because you individually are or you come from a culture that is, that we find almost impossible to accommodate. In other words, the notion that somebody else might, within the framework of their own set of assumptions, be behaving entirely rationally and yet come to conclusions that we find absolutely abhorrent or wrong or wrong-headed even, shouldn't persuade us that they're mad, bad or sad. It should persuade us that they've made different assumptions on the basis of the kind of person that they want to be. And understanding this is something that we find in David Hume, that our choices of fundamental goods and values, the assumptions that we make, are constitutive of who we are. So if you are the kind of person who actually believes in something like Mother Russia, and as Putin once said, that without Mother Russia there might as well not be a world, and what he really meant was without Vladimir Putin there might as well not be a Russia, and therefore there might as well not be a world. If you are built that way, 
Someone from another perspective, another setting, another set of assumptions might say you're mad, bad or sad, but you could just have chosen a different set of assumptions because you want to be a kind of person that most of us find unacceptable, abhorrent, appalling, and so on. And of course, we have this experience all the time. You don't need to go to Russia to find people whose behaviour is completely unacceptable to you, even though they seem perfectly capable of rendering acceptable to them. Reason is and ought always to be the slave of the passions, says Hume. And therefore he brings us to the point of realising that actually, and this is a very unpalatable conclusion, if we really disagree, then the only way we are actually going to reconcile or resolve our differences may well be by going to war. And we don't like that. We want to be able to resolve everything rationally, but that's only possible if we share all our assumptions. And usually, we don't. We find ourselves, on the basis of this, in possession of a number of perhaps surprising claims, I would say surprising realities, that explain a lot, even if they bring us to the point where we may feel really rather uncomfortable. First of all, that there is not one, but there are many different systems of rationality and that's true because the assumptions upon which each rationality works are chosen, and they are chosen to be different in accordance with what we want to be true. And what we want to be true is governed by the kind of person we are. What then happens is that we decide the kind of person we wish to associate with, birds of a feather and all that. And so what happens is that we form tribes with incompatible assumptions that therefore operate according to different rationalities to come to different conclusions that render the totality of all human desires incompatible. And that's true globally on the basis of political theory. President Xi Jinping seriously argues that the Communist Party of China is what the Chinese people want and that what is good for the people of China is good for the Chinese Communist Party and what is good for the Chinese Communist Party is good for the people of China because the people of China support the Chinese Communist Party. It's completely circular, but, and you're not going to like this either, all argument is circular. All argument is circular. Because we are not, in the end, 
rational in the sense of grounded in unshakable foundations that nobody disputes. The assumptions that we make are disputed. They're disputed politically, psychologically, socially. They're, dis they're disputed over things like religion, the purpose of life, philosophy. And so we find ourselves left with the situation that we each choose to make sense of the world the way we want to make sense of the world. And then, because we're tribal, as well as, to a certain extent, imperialistic, we try to persuade other people that our rationality is the only rationality. And that because they don't accept that, and usually they don't, there's something wrong with them. They must be one of mad, bad, or sad, or some combination of all three. And that's why we need to understand that the sense that we make of the world is, to a very considerable degree, arbitrary. And that's why it's important to learn how to unmake it. Thank you for listening.